on the Northland Outdoors Radio Network, this is Northland Outdoors Radio. For the next hour, we'll give you the latest on fishing, hunting, and spending time in the outdoors all across the Northland. Welcome to Northland Outdoors Radio. Now here's your host, Brett T-Bone Amundsen. Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon or good evening, wherever you're listening to us right now. Welcome to Northland Outdoors Radio. Who is ready for spring? Looks like you can safely say goodbye to winter. Time to start thinking about spring. That's what we're going to start talking about here on the radio show. Spring and also kids. More specifically, some of those programs out there that are helping more kids get into the outdoors. And there are there, there may be no bigger program right now than the Minnesota Clay Target League. Uh, what this league has accomplished is nothing short of amazing, and it all started with an idea of how to keep trap ranges from closing down. Jim Sable started it, and he'll tell us the story and talk about how big the league is getting now. Can you say bigger than, the, than hockey in the state of hockey? Plus, what other states will be adding a league? Another program that, has, that kids have benefited from is National Archery in the Schools program, or NASP. This may actually be bigger than the Clay Target League. Jeff Long is the North Dakota coordinator for NASP, and he'll preview the state tournament that's taking place next week in Minot. There's actually a regional tournament that our listeners uh, to KBMW in Wabadon might be going to this weekend. Thanks for listening in Wabadon, by the way. Nick Simonson was instrumental in getting a state high school team put together in Marshall, Minnesota. What advice would he give to someone who wants to start one in their town? And why was he named Pheasants Forever, Pheasants Forever's Volunteer of the Year? We'll find out. First, though, the Northland Outdoors staff is back. Greg Kaiser. Woohoo! Brian Peterson. Right on. And Becca Clemens. Groovy. Becca uh, is in the quarantine room. She was out sick earlier this week. <laughs> yeah, how but I'm you? feeling better. You're feeling better? Okay, yes. good. Thank Bri- you. Brian, how are you feeling, by the way? Are you a little stiff and sore from that fat bike race? Actually, not too bad, uh, surprisingly. I thought I'd be hurting worse than I am. We didn't ride hard enough. Uh, I guess not. I was, I was right. slacking. <laughs> Where was that at? That was at Lake Bemidji State Park. It's the second Northland Fat Bike Rally, and it's not necessarily a race. It's timed rides, they call them. There's a, a 10K and a 28K, and I participated in the 10K that wound from Lake Bemidji through uh, Lake Bemidji State Park. How many people did they have in it? Uh, 66 over 53 the year before, so it's growing, and uh, uh, fat biking as a whole is growing, so it's right there with that. Yes, it is, and we can see all about fat bikes in the new magazine, by the way. Nice job on the magazine. Guys, uh, the new Northland Outdoors magazine uh, was delivered this week, so we got uh, got our copies earlier this week, and, and it looks great, guys. Nice job. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Sorry, we're still sleeping, putting Thanks. it out, so it was, it was we're just trying to get awake. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> you can still subscribe to get uh, the next issue. You can get it for free at northlandoutdoors.com. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the Northland Top 5. Ah, the crowd goes wild. <laughs> <laughs> this is a new segment here on Northland Outdoors Radio where we're going to talk about great things that have taken place in the outdoors. All right, number one, after lower runs of steelhead the past few falls, Wisconsin's Brule River bounced back and uh, had a run of 5,660 steelhead in the fall of 2015. The DNR in Wisconsin announced that the fall run totals for steelhead, brown trout, and coho salmon this past week. Greg, this is a great story. That's awesome. Yeah, it's good to see. Uh, it's good to see, and it shows how that population will fluctuate. So it was, yeah, 5,660 steelhead. It had nine days in a row of over 400 fish a day. 
uh, making their way up the Brule River. That's just the one river system there. So How do they count all those fish? They've got a camera system, so they put it near the channel and count the various species and, uh, and all the different fish. It was interesting in, in looking at some of the stats. It's, 62% were 20 to 25 inches and 25% were 26 and over. So those are some pretty healthy, healthy fish. So how would you like to be the guy sitting there watching a camera monitor and counting <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, Especially 400 the, fish a day. For nine days in a row. <laughs> Time to make the donuts. He's be, like at 315, he lost count. He's nah, like, I gotta, I gotta do it again. Can you guys go back? Can we start over? That was a co-ho. <laughs> uh, number two, a seventh grader from Alexandria is a biathlete. Is that, am I, Beck, am I even using the right word for that? I think so, yes. I'm not all up in that lingo, but yes, I think that is correct, yes. She's a 13-year-old from Alexandria. She was into Nordic skiing, but wanted to kind of jazz it up a little bit because she was doing so well. And uh, got her gun license at 12 years old, and uh, it's been doing that for the last couple months. Is being a biathlete. She's doing pretty good. She took first in her first place in her first competition back in February. But I think she kind of has a little bit of an advantage because her dad used to be a former sniper for the United States Marine Corps. So she's got a little bit of an advantage. Got some training at home. I heard that actually their backyard or their their property, they've built a track. She's got a whole practice trail and a shooting range all set up so she can practice. So she's going to be in it. The Northland Top 5, great things of the outdoors. Number three, Ducks Unlimited is restoring a wetland near Carrington, North Dakota that will be used to get more kids involved in hunting. Right, Brian? Right. It's uh, DU's first North Dakota in-lieu fee medication, uh, mitigation project, and it's on private land near Carrington, North Dakota. It'll allow kids to get uh, everything from training to actually their first hunt on the land. So this is uh, essentially, it's a it's a wetland that was there. It was used for something else. It was plowed up or drained or whatever happened. I, I don't remember the story exactly, but now they're restoring it. And the landowner basically said, I'll let you come here and restore it if we can use it for kids. Right, exactly. And it's part of uh, what his what he calls the Wildlife and Habitat Land Use Program, uh, which includes or is affiliated with the North Dakota Game and Fish and, of course, DU. Um, it's 59 acres along with uh, 240 other acres that he owns uh, for this project. Very cool. That's the first of, it, of its kind? In North Dakota, yes, it is. And so hopefully we'll have more like that coming down the line. Right. Number four, Grand Forks Central High School student, a Grand Forks Central High School student, will be shooting in the Junior Olympics in the women's air rifle competition? Yes, that's going to be happening in mid-April. Carly Gauze uh, has been shooting since... uh, freshman year excuse me her dad has a rule all of the kids in the family have to be in a sport every single season she tried basketball when she was a freshman didn't like it wanted something else so she's been doing that every single year she went last year to the competition and got 146th out of 190 competitors so she's looking to get a little bit better score this year Number five, there was a cleanup effort on Lac Parle Lake. I had a, a friend, Shannon Larson, posted on Facebook uh, recently, hey, I was just out on the lake. There's garbage everywhere. And it's a similar story that we've been hearing about on lakes all over the Northland. But he said it was really bad. He, he put a post out there and uh, ended up getting a huge crew of people. He had a, a sanitation company come and drop off a dumpster for him. There were pickups out there that loaded up full of stuff, uh, wheelers and, and UTVs, and they went out there and uh, cleaned it all up. Shannon's from Dawson, Minnesota, and uh, I just wanna give them uh, a thank you and a congratulations yeah. for organizing that event and getting it all uh, put together, because that's not an easy thing to do necessarily. Here we go. More than you ever wanted to know about hunter safety. Yes, hunter safety. 
I thought that was a person. <laughs> you thought what? I thought it was a person at for Hunter first, safety. Like Hunter, Hunter Hayes Sa- or oh. something. I'm like, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> well, we got this practice quiz from huntercourse.com, and guess who gets to take it right now? Becca. <laughs> well, you do, Brian. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, on the website, you need to get eight out of ten questions correct to pass. We'll do four out of five for today. All right, number one, which of the following is a disadvantage of using black powder in muzzle-loading firearms? Is it A, it can cause the barrel to rust, B, it's difficult to ignite, or C, it's hard to get the muzzle off the end of the barrel? B. B? Thank you. <laughs> if you wouldn't have hesitated like that with C, I would have thought about it, but we'll go with B. B? I'll go with B, too. You guys are all incorrect. It's A, huh? It is A. It can cause the barrel to rust. All right, more than you ever wanted to know about Hunter Safety. See, I got that one wrong, too, when I took the test online. Now I don't feel so bad. (laughs) Now, if a hunter is in need of rescue, what should they do to indicate their location to rescuers? Is it A, be sure to have a compass along, B, use a series of any three signals, whistle blasts, etc., or C, lie down on the ground and start kicking and screaming? Well, C usually works for my nieces and nephews, but out in the wild, I'm going to say B. B, Brian? Uh, I will go with B. Greg? B. Of course it is B. Three, what should a hunter do if they lose track of a blood trail? Should they A, fire into the brush to flush out the animal, B, go back to the last spot of blood and try again, or C, make animal noises that tell the animal it's safe to come out now? (laughs) (laughs) What would that be for a deer? I don't know. Yeah, what do they say? What do the deer say? Yeah. Just eat acorns. What does the deer say? Yeah. Brian, what's your answer? Um, I've already forgotten what the. Uh, <laughs> what the Let's just say it's just go B. Ahead. Go back to the last yeah, spot of blood and try yeah. again. All right, question number four. More than you ever wanted to know about hunter safety here on Northland Outdoors Radio. Which of the following should you always carry in a survival pack? Is it A, extra ammo, B, fire starting equipment, or C, pizza, because everyone could use a pizza in an emergency. Greg. Boy, I like pizza. I'm going, I'm going to go with B. Uh, Becca? I'll go with A. Mm, Brian. I just had pizza. I'll go with B. Pizza, obviously, is the answer. Yeah. <laughs> Fire starting equipment would make more sense. Uh-huh. Question number five. Which of the following is not a rule of safe firearm handling? Is it A, be sure of your target and what's behind it. B, treat every firearm as if it were loaded. Or C, using your gun as a back scratcher. It usually works. <laughs> Becca? I'm going to go with B. Are you sure about that? I don't know. (laughs) See for me, please. Do you remember what the question was? No, I don't. She was reading the new magazine. Give her a break. I know you're paying, Becca. There you go. More than you ever wanted to know about hunter safety. We will put the uh, the practice quiz on our website. If you want to go try to take it for yourself with the actual answers that they're using, go to northlandoutdoors.com. All right, coming up on the radio show, Jim Sable from the Minnesota Clay Target League, Jeff Long, the NASP coordinator in North Dakota, and next up, Pheasants Forever's Volunteer of the Year, Nick Simonson, on Northland Outdoors Radio. Ah, the crowd goes wild. How would you like this to be the sound of your alarm clock? The Lakeshore Kings have your chance to spend weekends and weekdays in Lake Country with the unique opportunity to own and operate your own resort. Birchhaven Resort on Birch Lake near Hackensack offers sunset views from its sandy beach and comfortable cabins. And it's on the market at an extremely reasonable price. Contact Steve Leary or Preston Peters of Exit Lakes Realty at 218-821-5655. That's 218-821-5655 and begin your life at the lake today. 
This is Northland Outdoors Radio. We're back here, Northland Outdoors Radio. It's Brett T-Bone Amundsen, and recently at the Pheasants Forever State Convention in Minnesota, Nick Simonson was given the Volunteer of the Year Award. He was also instrumental in getting a Clay Target League team for Marshall, and he joins us here now on Northland Outdoors Radio. Nick, how are things? Great, Brett. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Let's start with the Volunteer of the Year Award. Congratulations. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. A lot of great people help make that happen. So it's, you know, it's an award for me, but it, it reflects so well on the great members and sponsors and, and folks we have here in Lyon County to make Lyon County Pheasants Forever such a successful chapter. How long have you been involved with Pheasants Forever? Going on five years, five and a half years. I, I kind of joined in uh, midway through one of the years when, uh, back in 2010, when a buddy at work said, hey, you should come help with the mentor hunt. And I had a middle-aged lab at the time who's now an old-aged lab and jumped right in and, you know, fell right at home with the guys and gals here in Lyon County. And from there, it was gung-ho, straightforward. Hey, what can we do to get more kids outdoors? What can we do to protect, you know, groundwater, to protect land, provide public hunting opportunities? And it fell in my wheelhouse. Uh, as you know, I've been writing for 15 years about the outdoors, and it's you know, been a big focus of my life, you know, since graduating college. So fell right into place five years ago, haven't looked back, and have enjoyed every moment of it. But you bring up having a lab and living out where you are. I'll tell you what, I just moved from the Montevideo area up to, up to Brainerd, and it's great up in Brainerd, don't get me wrong, but I can guarantee you my lab is going to be a little disappointed that she won't be out chasing roosters as much as she did down in that, <laughs> that Lacoparle sure. area down there. And, and last year was a good fall. I ended up moving halfway through the fall out of that area, and I definitely, I only had about a, a week or two, really, of good pheasant hunting before I moved. Moved, and there was definitely an increase in birds in that area last year. How was it in Lyon County last year for pheasants? Just wonderful, and I, I, want, I don't want to rub it in, but I think you missed, missed the best part of the year because those first couple weeks, very warm, very dry, and you know, as deer season approached and we started to get a little bit wetter and a little bit cooler, especially after deer season, late season, everyone was sending me emails, shooting me texts saying, you would not believe the birds I'm seeing, and I think and that showed a shift in the conditions because when people got out after deer season, it was gangbusters. And it was a great late season. I took lots of people out. My brother came down. My brother-in-law came down. Christmas time was days of hunting. And, and boy, there were roosters everywhere holding tight like they hadn't been hunted. They came out of the woodwork, so to speak. And, yeah. You know, yeah. we had a great time. Nick Simonson, our guest, Lyon County, Lyon County Pheasants Forever. How has Pheasants Forever changed the landscape down there? In the last... Uh, four or five months alone, we've put uh, over 500 acres aside. We've uh, worked with our, our contacts at Minnesota Pheasants Forever, National Pheasants Forever, the great grant writing program that they have, leveraging legacy funds to lock up uh, four areas of over 100 acres each, you know, anywhere from 120 to about 170, working with great local landowners who meet us halfway with, you know, partial donation of land. Uh, and it has just been an absolute godsend to this area because every year we're putting land aside. And not only are we putting land aside, but uh, the payment in lieu of taxes that comes in from the state for this land is, is higher than what the property owners ever paid in property tax. So hmm. it's benefiting wildlife, it's benefiting hunters, it's benefiting neighboring landowners, and it's benefiting the, the county and the people of the area. So it's a win-win all around for conservation, for hunting, and, and for you know the local township and county governments as well. You've done a lot of work. You talk about the youth. You talk about getting kids involved. Tell us about starting up that Clay Target League team for Marshall. How much work went into that? 
it was a lot of work up front. I think we kind of did it in reverse of what most people do. Most people get the excitement of all the kids and say, hey, we want to do this, and then they struggle to figure out uh, how it happens. Uh, I happen to be connected with two different great groups, Lyon County Pheasants Forever and Redwood River Sportsman's Club, uh, the local track club southeast of Marshall, and there was money laying around. Uh, there was money to get this started. So we, we put money into the Midway USA Foundation, and then we had you know matching yearly pledges from these groups and the National Wild Turkey Federation uh, chapter here as well. So they said, hey, for the next five years, we're going to, to get this uh, up and rolling. We're going to pledge this amount of money. And from there, we haven't looked back. We started with uh, 50 kids our first two years, and this year it jumped to 73. And with that, uh, we've got four total. Uh, we've added Tracy this year under the Lyon County Cousins Forever banner. We've got Lakeview up in Cottonwood and Minneota High School. In Lyon County, three years ago, there were no kids shooting trap. There were no kids competing in CTL. This year, we're going to have over 180, and that absolutely blows my mind. How important is it to get those kids into a sport like this, and what is it going to mean for conservation, hunting, and, uh, and, and carrying on those outdoor traditions for our kids down the road? It's absolutely critical. It's absolutely critical at, at this time in our lives, when we look at things like the water issue in Flint, Michigan, we look at uh, riparian issues even here in Minnesota and some of the water quality issues we're facing, Connecting kids through shooting sports, through hunting, through fishing courses, through Boy Scouts, through Girl Scouts, connecting them to outdoor activities puts their skin in the game. They know that without having public land, without having clean water, clean air, clean land, uh, they won't be able to do this. They're the next generation of conservationists. I hate to sound it, uh, I hate to sound like an old man at 37, but I'm looking <laughs> to them. I'm looking to the next generation. They need to know. Uh, that they are the future stewards of the land. And, and I'm already looking ahead to them and, and what changes they will be able to bring and what sort of conservation they, conservation efforts they will undertake. And I'm sure it will astound me when I look back, hopefully when I'm 70, 80 years old, and see what those kids I've coached, what those kids I've taught how to tie flies have done to help preserve these opportunities. So I think this jump, this jump from CTL to hunting to conservation is, is critical. It's very important we get kids outdoors get them involved in shooting sports because that is a bridge. That is a bridge to conservation. You mentioned fly tying there. What other programs and events do you have for kids there in Lyon County? Every spring, uh, it's kind of my baby. I teach a 10-person course, and it's usually youth, although we started to add a few inexperienced adults. Uh, fly tying, lure making for species across the board, whether it's trout that they stock here in the Redwood River or, you know, walleyes. We craft walleye thinners. It's a two-week course. We have two on-the-water days. It's a lot of fun for me because I get to pass that information on. And, of course, we tie in the conservation message as well. You know, without uh, having riparian buffers, without having uh, clean land initiatives, we can't protect our waterways. And that's a, that's a huge thing for kids to see is clean water means great fishing. Nick Simonson, our guest here, Northland Outdoors Radio. What did you think of the Pheasant Summit that Governor Dayton held? And what do you think of what's happened since then? It was very well attended. I think it put a lot of great initiatives out there uh, where hunters, anglers, conservationists were concerned. I know that uh, personally a little bit disappointed in the, uh, the battle that has been, I want to say, manufactured. Because I can tell you, with the landowners I work with, the landowners whose land is open to me, that I, that I develop relationships with, there isn't this conflict. The landowners in Lyon County know, you know, a vast majority of them, 98% of them know that future generations are going to depend on clean water, clean land. They know it's the right thing to do, and they've come to me. They've come to our farm bill biologist and, and put their own land. With before, 
you know, buffers were required before there was this hubbub about it. Uh, they're allies. We're allies. We're, we're together in this effort. We're, we're all crewmates on this ship called Earth, and, and they realize that, and it's great. It's great, and I hope that message spreads. That this, this isn't an us versus them. This isn't Pheasants Forever or Ducks Unlimited or Minnesota Waterfall versus the Farmers or, or the Farm Bureau or whoever's on the other side. We're allies in this. We're working together. And through Pheasants Forever, farmers have the option of turning those marginal lands into money. We have great programs with great set-aside working through our Farm Bureau biologists to make a difference not only in the bottom line, but also in the betterment of, of all the people who depend on clean water, clean land, and clean air. How much more public land would you like to see in Lyon County, and how much more private land do you think can be converted to CRP or other suitable wildlife habitat? Well, having lived in northeastern Minnesota and availed myself of, like, Cloquet Forest and Superior National Forest, uh, I'm envious still of all of the great public land that's available to hunters up there. I'm not looking to turn every piece of dirt into grass. I, you know, that's not realistic. We have a world to feed. We have family businesses to run. I recognize that. But Lyon County is one of the uh, uh, least public land areas of, of as counties go in the state. Uh, so where these marginal acres are, where people aren't making money off them, where you're having, you know, the leaching of farm chemicals, you're having uh, water quality issues, those are the areas that need to be protected. So I'm realistic in that. We have a lot of great public land opportunities. And, you know, the walking access program uh, on private acres, uh, I think that's a great benefit for hunters. And I think even if you keep private land private and have those marginal acres, those 5, 10, 20-acre tracts for, for wildlife, that's what keeps populations up. Because our public lands cannot support you know, sustainable, huntable populations of pheasants, deer, etc. So uh, I'm not looking to turn every uh, dirt acre into grass. I'm looking for people to be responsible, uh, do what they know is the right thing, be good stewards of the land. And like I said, Pheasants Forever is here to meet them halfway, to help them with those programs and get those jobs done. We have to ask this question. There was a little controversy recently coming out of your neck of the woods. <laughs> you know, in our world, it was just another coyote tournament. But for the fine folks, maybe in the Twin Cities or some of the er other areas, oh boy, <laughs> the world was ending and Marshall was ground zero. <laughs> yeah, it was a non-story. Non-starter. Uh, some letter writers from California, from Colorado, if they actually saw the number of coyotes that were taken for this event, roughly 10, I think that, that there would be a whole lot less of an impact. And, you know, I can understand where they're coming from, the co commercialization of killing. And sure. I'm not a fan of sure. commercializing killing. I, you know, killing is, is something that I think hunters treat with respect. A, a true hunter is, recognizes killing as part of, of the tradition and, and doesn't take that lightly. I know I don't take it lightly when I go out hunting birds, when I go out hunting deer. There's a connection to the animal, a connection to the resource. And these people want to write that off. They want to paint with a broad brush. And what I'd like to say is every generalization is wrong, including this one. And that's what that situation was. It was, it was vast generalization, uh, horrible mischaracterization, and, and I, I really think they've never experienced that hunting. They don't understand it. Uh, you know, and, and there are a lot of passionate fur bearer hunters out there, and I think they showed a good example. We had great hunt. We had no issues with trespass. We had no issues with protesters. We had no one you know, doing anything unseemly, and that's what it's all about. It's about respectful hunting, respect for your quarry, you know, and enjoying the camaraderie of fellow hunters. Very well said. Nick Simonson, Pheasants Forever, Minnesota Volunteer of the Year, uh, Lyon County. Keep up the good work down there, and thanks for being on Northland Outdoors Radio. You bet, Brett. Thank you. Coming up, just how big has the Minnesota Clay Target League gotten? You might be surprised at the number of kids who are involved in an after-school sport that involves guns.
I wish this would have been around when I was a kid. Jim Sable is on the way. Also, NASP is another program that's done a lot for kids and archery equipment. Jeff Long is the state coordinator in North Dakota, and he talks about the state tournament that's coming next week in Minot. Jeff is next on Northland Outdoors Radio. You're listening to Northland Outdoors Radio.